Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. I'm David Addison, and in this episode, we'll continue our look at women working in motorsport. We'll go inside the university and talk about how it can help with future employment. We'll hear from students and lecturers about the master's courses that are available. And we'll talk to NCME ambassador, racer, actor, and Strictly Come Dancing champion, Kelvin Fletcher. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Let's start this episode of Motorbotics by continuing our look at women in motorsport this week in Formula One. Uh, With me is Dr. Catherine Richards, wind tunnel test technician, Mercedes AMG Patronus Formula One team. And Catherine, let's start, if we can, with an explanation of your role within the team. So I am a, as you said, wind tunnel technician. And my responsibility is to run the wind tunnel. So I provide a service to the aerodynamicists so they can put performance on the car so we can go and win races. Are you doing this with scale models or full-sized Formula One cars? It's with a 60% scale model. Right. Uh, how did you get into Formula One? Um, it's quite a long story. I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> um, so when I was at school, I wanted to be a pilot. So I did all my exams and everything to, to do that. Um, And then I realised I needed to find something to do to fill in a gap between going to flying school. Mm -hmm. So I went to college to do aerospace studies. And it was that point in time that I was getting interested in Formula One. So I wrote to Benetton and I had a reply from a man that you know very well, (coughs) Willem Turret. Right, Um, yes. So I went to the factory, met Willem, um, got talking. Uh, To cut a long story short, he helped me through my college days with various projects with him at Benetton and Ferrari Um, and he mentored me supported me all the way through my education and then when a job came up um, at my current team which was then BAR Honda Mm. he said oh come and work for us in the new wind tunnel and uh, I went for what I thought was a informal chat with his boss turned out to be an interview and then the rest is history I was going to ask how hard it's been to get there because here we are talking about uh, an absolute flagship Formula One team, which lots of people would absolutely love to go and work for. Um, but as you say, you've been there through these different stages, going back to the BAR days. Yeah, I've been there, what, be 15 years in September. Um, I wouldn't say it was easy to get there, but it's just, mm. I think, as, as well as today, it's about. It's about knowing people and just getting in contact with people and talking to people, really. And that's what I did. I, I got to know Willem at quite an early age, uh, early stage in my education and knowing I wanted to go into Formula One. Mm. And he just supported me through that. And then, because um, I wanted to be an aerodynamicist to begin with, then realised I didn't want to go to the dark side. I liked wind tunnels too much and wanted <laughs> to do that side of it. Um, and uh, he just helped me through. And then when a job opportunity came up, mm-hmm. he put me forward for it. Um, and obviously I had to prove myself in the job, but, you know, they obviously did that and I'm still there. Uh, what subjects and courses did you do along the way? So at school, I just did the basics. I did physics, geography, maths, mm-hmm. um, and then A-levels. I just did further maths, physics, because um, I thought I was going to fly in school. So that's yes. what I thought I needed. 
Um, and then I just went through, I did aerospace studies and that just did all sorts, gas turbine technology, aerodynamics, because that's why I found out about aerodynamics and wind. Um, so that's where sort of it all started. Mm -hmm. And then I moved on to do a degree, um, which was sort of more specific on aerodynamics and um, actual aviation in terms of the sort of plane design and stuff like that. Right. And then um, after that, I, I, had a, I had a bit of a gap. I needed something to go and do because... I'd actually contacted a few teams about jobs quite early on, a degree, and sort of the resounding um, reply was go and get some more experience. So I actually went off and did a PhD looking at um, vehicle aerodynamics as well. Inevitably, there's the question, is it harder for a woman to do this than a male? Because motorsport is still perceived as being more of a male sport, a male industry. I don't think it is harder for women to do it. I think the problem lies with, at a young age, what young mm. girls are introduced to at school age. And right. they're not just not shown what there is available for them. You know, it's assumed that, you know, that women will take a certain path in life. Um, but uh, as long as they're introduced to um, engineering and um, cars or whatever, you know, it could be structural engineering or mm. anything, mm. then, you know, they can make those choices themselves. I just think there needs to be more exposure um, to what they see when they're at school. Sure. Where do you go from here? Where does the career ambition take you next? Truthfully, I love my job and I wouldn't do anything else. I'm, <laughs> I'm staying there till the day I retire, if I can. Uh, perfect. Um, what does the Mercedes AMG Petronas Formula One team look for in graduates joining the business? Um, they obviously look for um, the right subjects, um, so maths and physics and aerodynamics and aeronautics, but they also look for people who can sort of problem solve. You don't need to know the right answer, but you need to be able to find the answer and be able to look outside the box potentially and just work through things and be creative and because every day we're faced with challenges there's no mm -hmm. right or wrong answer to what we do and sometimes it takes us a while to find the answer but you need to be able to work at that and be someone who can um, be work part of a team um, be enthusiastic and just just work hard sure uh, and you're also involved with dare to be different aren't you Yes, I am an ambassador for Dare to Be Different. Which is all about doing what? Tell me more. It's about it's about encouraging young girls, school age um, girls, um, to think about maybe a career in engineering. I mean, there's two there's two levels to Dare to Be Different. There's the school projects. So um, we get young girls between the ages of sort of seven and eleven, take them to, um, for example, a cart centre. Mm -hmm. They'll do some carting, but they'll do some media work. They'll do some first aid. They'll do um, some STEM um, challenges, all sorts of things. All of the jobs that you might encounter in motorsport to give them sort of an exposure to what they could potentially do. Um, that's one side of Dare to be Different. And then the other side is, is just the community where we're just we're Facebook based. And it's just a community of lots of um young girls, young women, and even older women who are all interested in motorsport, who work in motorsport, mm -hmm. who are studying motorsport. And we just support each other through what we're doing. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton.
Our next stop is inside the University of Bolton itself. Eva Souter is Employer Engagement Consultant. Uh, Eva, it's a new post. You've recently joined the University of Bolton. Uh, tell me, if you will, about this new position and what it means. Um, yeah, sure. I'm one of five um, employer engagement consultants and we are a team who have come from a breadth of backgrounds. So um, some of us from employment agencies, uh, from other universities and, and myself, I've come from industry. Um, so effectively, our role is to partner with our respective schools. So I partner with um, the School of Engineering and and. and CME um, and to build effective mutually beneficial relationships with businesses with organizations and and also employers where maybe some of our alumni are now working um, to, to build better relationships with them to secure opportunities for our, our grads and students in the future. So does that mean finding placements or finding out what skills employers are after or a bit of both? bit of both so effectively if we have the the knowledge from industry we can put that into our courses so a lot of the courses um they they have industrial advisory boards uh, where they will be regularly speaking to industry to understand which skills future employees will need and therefore what do we need to be teaching our students um also from that some practical work experience so absolutely offering maybe work shadow and work experience internships obviously graduate opportunities when they finish um, or even some of our partners um, will deliver guest lectures so actually come into the university um, and talk to our students about um, an aspect of work that they do that will be relevant to the course. From the students point of view then how, how does the course change with your involvement in it really? So effectively, a student will be coming to university, hopefully, because they want to get a great career. So they want to get their um, degree so that they can go on to, to great things in, in their future mm. career. So effectively, um, the employer engagement consultants roles were created um, to really drive that individual um, graduate employability agenda. So how do we ensure, how do we support students to make sure they are as employable as possible? And it's a real drive for the university, hence why they, um, why they actually recruited these specific roles. So effectively, it will make the student more employable, um, hopefully, uh, by giving them some additional skills and experience so they can go on um, and, and have a fantastic career in, in whichever field they choose. As new courses are developed, does that change your focus as a team? Um, no, not at all. I, I, I think, it, if anything, it's, it becomes more important um, as we go through. Um, so every course um, needs to, again, ensure that, that students and graduates are, um, are going to be employable when they leave the course. So um, as new courses are, are developed, um, the, the focus on employability absolutely does remain and, and our part is, is an integral part to that. Um, obviously we have some great academics that, that teach the courses um, and support the students whilst they're on programme but um, our team, um, we're part of the wider careers service, um, we're here to, to help the students get prepared for the world of work for when they leave the course. Um, so absolutely it's, it's an integral part um, when new courses are developed for us to continue the work that we do. And it's not just you doing this, there's a whole team of people. 
Absolutely. Yep. So as I mentioned, there's a, a team of five employer engagement consultants that uh, work for their um, respective schools. Um, but there's also a, a team of careers consultants that are there to support the students. Um, so effectively, the, the service is there to um, ensure that we listen, that we genuinely care about the, the students' future plans. Um, whatever their goals are, we want to help them achieve this. We want them to have the career success that they are after when they leave the course um, and specifically that the ways that we can help that is uh, through one-on-one -on -one advice so a very person personal experience um, or through group workshops um, online as well and um, through e-guidance um, and also we have a, a really great um, hub that the students can go on to an online resource called student hub so they can um, look into that at any time of day um, and that's got uh, features in terms of the jobs that have been advertised and um, they can look at handy resources on how to write an application, how to um, use networking, how to use social media um, and then on Student Hub Plus some really great interactive tools as well um, for example uh, video interview experience so they can actually practice firsthand what it would feel like to actually have a video interview which is obviously great. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. It's interesting to think back to what Dr. Catherine Richards was talking about a little earlier about her experiences and how elements of that could tie into the NCME's master's courses. There are already uh, MSCs available in engineering management and motorsport engineering. And starting in September, there will be a new electric vehicle master's course as well. With me to explain more are programme leader Rob Hyam and lecturer Stuart Donohoe. Rob, let's start with you. Uh, what degrees do you need to access the MSc? So we've created the MSc's with the vision of allowing people to multi-skill and also diversify their skill set. So the core would be an, an engineering background, mechanical engineering or similar uh, mm -hmm. for the engineering management and the multiple engineering degree. The engineering management, however, we also would allow conversion from other areas, scientific or mathematical-based topics, as long as there is some understanding of physics, uh, we usually allow quite a diverse entry point on those courses. And Stuart, what roles in industry are you anticipating graduates to attain after the course? So for the uh, electric vehicle course, mm. we're looking at roles really designing and developing electric vehicles or, or working in associated technology, so, so working for motor suppliers, battery pack manufacturers and that could be in in road cars or in motorsport um, the careers for the uh, for the um, motorsport and engineering management really are are, are quite broad um, I suppose for the motorsport we'd like to see uh, graduates getting jobs in in high-end motorsport um, mm. in F1 in British touring cars and GTs and again working for for suppliers in in the motorsport industry. I suppose really electric motorsport is growing all the time so the number of opportunities will increase won't it? Absolutely yeah I think there's exponential growth in, in the sector at mm. the moment and and that's why it's really good to get the the new course launched now and try and get in early and um, you know we're, we're using our collaborations with industry to try and make sure that we're we're teaching exactly what industry needs for that course. Okay, now let's talk course specifics. Rob, uh, first the existing MSCs, the Engineering Management Motorsport Engineering MSCs, what's in those courses specifically? 
So both courses are developed with a, a spine of innovative technology focus, really. So we have a core of advanced production engineering. So we study the statistics and all of the really fun stuff behind how manufacturing is controlled in industry. We also then add uh, a sprinkling of additive manufacturing, which I talked about on the last podcast. Mm. And mm. what we're really looking at here is developing the tools and techniques in which we need to design and develop parts for high-end industry, for anything, aerospace, biomedical, and obviously in, into motorsport. So that spine is there for both courses. Then the engineering management course, kind of it says on the tin, will focus mm. a little bit more on the business and engineering management and control of industry. The multiple engineering, Stuart takes the two main modules, really focusing on powertrain development and vehicle dynamics. Maybe Stuart's worth telling us a little bit more on that. Yeah, so, so those those modules, uh, vehicle dynamics, we, we just go into a lot more detail than you'd get on an undergraduate program in, in vehicle dynamics and, you know, particularly motorsport vehicle dynamics, which is a, a slightly different animal because we're generally pushing tires a little bit harder than we do. We're going into non-linear non-linear um, behavior of tires um, and, and, you know, stability and balance, all that, that fun stuff. Um, and the other module, which is advanced automotive technology, which is, um, which is you know, the, the, the module that catches everything else. So we're looking at um, powertrain, um, transmission systems. So we'll include electric powertrains and that, you know, looking at how mm. we would integrate electric powertrains in motorsport. We do some lap time simulation, some aerodynamics, and um, yeah, we just try and cover as much as we can, really, because it's such a broad field. How much of these master's courses are industry driven? How much does industry tell you what it's after that you can build into the course? When we uh, wrote the courses, we actually wrote them in collaboration with key partners in industry. So we made sure the module fit the requirements of key industry players like Airbus and RML and M Sport. And the uh, the core of the course is really asking what skill set is missing, what skill set mm -hmm. is needed, but also what does the future say for you? And RML, M-Sport and ProDrive in particular were instrumental in the development of the Motorsport Engineering Masters. Okay. And they've also been instrumental in the development of the electric vehicle technology requirements so far. And the core really is we have very good mechanical engineers in the UK uh, and we have very good electronics and electrical engineers in the UK, mm -hmm. but we need both. So how do you get the best of both without hiring two people who come from different worlds? Yeah. And, and that's really what the, the new electric vehicle technology program is there to address. Stuart, tell us a bit more about this electric vehicle program. How long does it last and, and the specifics of what's in it? So it's a, a one-year program, 12-month program, um, and really what we do, because we're, we're using a common core of modules, so we, we have shared modules with electrical and mechanical and biomedical, so we, we do lots of um, engineering, modeling, and analysis um, as one of the core modules. Um, we have uh, modules like product innovation, so looking at you know how we develop pro products, how we, how we go through commercialization of, of products, uh, we do some some research skills, which are, are what we use to support the the, the major project or dissertation. And then the um, the 
pathway-specific modules, or the, the modules which are unique to this course, we've got modules from electrical engineering, so looking at electric machines and control of electric machines. And then we've also got an automotive technology, so that's looking at how we how we apply that uh, electrical technology to to an automotive okay. context. So looking at uh, you know specific mm -hmm. control systems that we use in automotive. Uh, Rob, finally, what's the USP, if you like, of the NCME's MSCs? I'm really proud, and I think the the whole team shares the same pride. And in, in the main USP for any kind of study with us, postgraduate and undergraduate, is everything is linked to something real. So whether that's industrial support, whether it's placements, whether it's projects, the core of everything we try and do is what industry is asking for. Because at the end of the day, our students need to get a job. Uh, and the skills needed have to come from industry. It can't be made up by us because we may have missed a point or there may be a new development or a new regulation that we're unaware of. So I'd say the main USP is is everything is still linked to industry. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Now, we have a number of students already on their master's courses, one of whom is George Davis. Uh, George, what's your background prior to the MSc course? Um, so um, my background basically came as an alumni from Bolton. So um, I've done the Baptist course in motorsport technology through Bolton. And then before that, I had an A-level background in maths and physics. Uh, what experiences are you trying to build on? So... Um, I originally always set out to want to do motorsport. Um, I think mm -hmm. everyone first really sees it through F1. Um, and um, I kind of always had this goal to be in motorsport, and Bol Bolton provided that. Um, I remember when I went to pick a uni, they were, um, everybody else, you know, they didn't know which five unis to pick. Well, I only had five unis to pick because <laughs> when I started, there was only five doing motorsport. Mm -hmm. um, so I've kind of set out... And as I've gone through it um, and learned from it, I've kind of realised I very much like the race engineering side. And, right. and that made me want to pursue the motorsport engineering into a master's. Where was the motorsport connection coming from? Were you a fan? Was there a history of motorsport within the family? Where did it come from? So I, I don't think there's really been a history. It's, um, but um, I, um, I used to watch F1, rally um, and um, touring cars when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I start, and just before I picked my choices for year 11, I started karting. Um, and I think maybe okay. that helped boost it. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it, that, that people mm. want to participate, but also then have this almost parallel desire to go into the engineering side. Yes, definitely. Um, because, um, yeah, si si simply because um, as, I, as I've gone up in karting um, and... I'm now doing um, the British Pro Kart Endurance Championship. Um, I've kind of ran and managed my own team within that as well, so okay. I've I've been able to experience both like both sides, and it's it's, it's just and mm. that opened the doors as well with the uni to what I really want to do, and that's managing and race engineering. I was going to come to the long-term ambition in a moment. Before that, no. <laughs> what, what 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 personal favourite features of the course are there, and what makes the University of Bolton, the NCME, so good for what you want to do? Masters course-wise, um, I, I like with the motorsport technology course more specifically because mm -hmm. um, there's a few new masters courses um, coming out. 
there um it's kind of a bit of everything so there's modules on electric vehicle technology um, management um, race engineering and then additive manufacturing so i think if, if you're planning on doing a master's but still don't fully quite know what you know specific area you want to go down i think it is the best choice because it's a bit of everything mm-hmm. all right let's fast forward then to the future the long-term ambition um from what you were saying earlier is this to have mm. your own team yeah so like i said through running um my own karting team and um as well helping out with te- teams that the unis provided so i'm currently helping out as well with porsche bolton in the um their boxster historic championship okay. and and um yeah I, I kind of like that i like definitely being track side um rather than office size <laughs> But yeah, that's how I, where I see my um, goal of managing or just being a race engineer. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Another of the NCME students on a master's course is Ed Cumming. Uh, Ed, let's talk a little bit about your already two thirds of the way through the course. What are you learning on the master's course at the University of Bolton? Right, so uh, my bachelor's course was in motorsport engineering, and the master's course that I've uh, I'm two thirds of the way through, as you said, is engineering management. So it's more it's more of a, a wider scope to what I'm used to. So we've covered so far, we're looking at integrated management systems, production engineering systems, the design for additive manufacturing, so your DFAM, advanced vehicle systems was last year, but we've covered that again and. Uh, looked over it from a sort of a all-encompassing business perspective rather than just the engineering side. It's how to uh, mm-hmm. positively promote the, uh, the business um, aspect of it whilst uh, looking at feasibility and viability rather than just looking at the actual process of doing it. It's looking at the viability and uh, feasibility of the, uh, the business aspects as well um, and how they, uh, how they like process and control a business uh, at the moment the most exciting thing that i've been looking at is uh, npd new product development okay. uh, so looking at market penetration and uh, uh, deciding how and when to release new new products which i wish I, I wasn't aware of in so much detail before obviously we've got the iphones and we're thinking goodness me they've got all of this tech that they're sitting on <laughs> waiting to bring out and that was the only only sort of business I was aware of it, but no, it's, yeah. it's, it's all-encompassing in every, every area of business. I thought that was very exciting, actually. The Master's course, does this have different elements year on year? So you learn yes. something in year one and you a new element in year two. Yes, so the way that they split it is the first year, so it's an 18-month course. So the first year, which is made up of two semesters, you cover all of your modules per se, so you learn everything. And then on the third, or the, on the third semester, the final year, or half of the final year rather, you are just um, you're just uh, working towards your dissertation, so your final dissertation. So you get all of your focus. It works brilliantly, I must say. It's the best course layout of any course that I've done because you get all of your you, you learn everything first, and then you're able to amalgamate everything, put it together, and uh, produce your final dissertation using all of the knowledge that you have as well as outside knowledge as well. So yeah, it works brilliantly. I, I've really enjoyed how it's, how it's been laid out, yeah. I was going to say, what are your personal favourite features <laughs> of the course? But from what you've just said, it could be quite a long list. Yeah, it really could be. It really could be. Uh, the, the one that's really highlighted, the one I didn't know about, that I really, really do know quite a bit about through the course is um, advanced, sorry, sorry, DFAM, which is designed for additive manufacturing, which is 
2 I mean, really 3D printing. Uh, right. The metallic-based 3D printing was the one that really opened my eyes to the possibilities of how to optimize parts. Like, just looking through, like, the parts that are optimized now using this topological optimization are sort of your space station bits and bobs. Uh, that's it now, really. It's starting to mm. trickle down into uh, your aerospace and then into motorsport as well and then into road cars. It's just phenomenal, the, the sort of capabilities that this technology has or will have because it's such a new technology. I mean, we're lucky in the fact that we have Rob Hyatt lecturing us, who's uh, he was very high up with Airbus, uh, working, working with the DFAM. So the best person to learn for, or from rather. So fantastic course, yeah, yeah. So at the moment, we've, we've gone through your part select, how you select your parts, your powder spreads, your process details, your sintering, DEDs, your all sorts of technical bits and bobs. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go too far into it, but oh, it's phenomenal. Really space age stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. What's the long-term ambition? Master's course finished. Where do you go next? So I'm an inventor first and foremost. I like to invent, I'll tinker with bits and bobs. So I, I've got a bunch of things that I'm sat on as of now that I'm waiting to develop. So I will okay. go into a few different companies as an, and work in R&D to look at how they track and how they will process something from a design phase all the way to having it actually into the market so my idea of where i'm going to be obviously i, I love motorsport i've always worked mm. in motorsport so I'll, I'll try and be in motorsport even if it's just as a technical hand or an advisor or something along those lines uh but i i, I see myself working with road cars uh, developing uh, solutions easy solutions to problems that people didn't know they had so I, I've, I've spent a lot of my time looking at electric cars i've designed some electric cars for uh, uh some concept electric cars for some various different companies now i i personally my belief is that the future isn't in electric cars because the, okay. the amount of time and uh, actual energy and resources it costs to make a new car fair massively outweighs prolonging the life of all the cars we have on the road already we have a massive amount of cars on the road already we i think electrifying them rather than mm. producing new ones is definitely the way to go uh, so I'm looking at how to make bolt-on parts, safer tur things. Things I've developed are things, like electrical turbo spoolers, so anti-lag that will work for a turbo, uh, but it's legal because obviously anti-lag is illegal. You can't you can't ex run explosions through your turbo to keep it spooled when you're <laughs> off the gas. I wish you could, but sadly you can't. <laughs> it's one of my favourite things in motorsport. I think a lot of people <laughs> agree with me anti-lag, but um, I I've developed a system which means you can run it essentially a plug-in system for any turbocharged car. You can just plug it in and you've got anti-lag on your car already, which will boost performance and efficiency as well. So little solutions like that where we can sort of adapt and will apply to, say, 60% of the cars and trucks on the road. Things like that. That's where I want to look at. So, yeah, inventing things. So uh, learning from the best and then making them better. That's my plan. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. Let's turn next to a man who races acts dances is a self-confessed petrol head and has a long association with the ncme kelvin fletcher kelvin what's the link between you and the national center for motorsport engineering well the link uh, between myself and the uh, national center for motorsport engineering university of bolton started actually in 2013 so i was very much on the on the brink on, on the start of my motorsport career my motorsport journey if you like and um I'm being from, from Oldham, just up the road from Bolton. It was uh, the University of Bolton were very much, I was aware of it. I had friends that, that had studied there, uh, albeit with different, uh, with, with different um, 
courses. Um, uh, but I knew of their appetite to really kind of crack the, the motorsport engineering sector and really try and offer something that no other universities could offer. So their ethos was, and their mantra was, was very clear, really. They wanted to offer students a real life experience, you know, somewhat a CV, if you like, that when they graduated, they could show to, to potential employers that they've actually worked, they've applied their skills in a real life world, you know, in a real life setting during the, during the, you know, the years of, of learning. So I think that's invaluable really for employers to, to look at uh, bringing on new, a uh, new talent that, that have already kind of got some experience in, in the commercial, you know, in the commercial working world. So uh, we were able to do that. I think it was my second year of racing when I approached the University of Bolton. And at the time I was racing in the Porsches, it was a feeder series to the Carrera Cup. And I had an idea, you know, for, to facilitate some of the students if they could come on and act as my engineers and mechanics on a race weekend and, and really kind of be hands-on. So uh, that was important. And I think they've continued that, you know, every every year going forward. Um, and, and I think we had a few students over the years, a year I was doing the British Touring Cars. So they've kind of gone from club championship uh, with me to, to, you know, on a national uh, platform, you know, with, with probably one of the biggest championships in, in, in the country, if not Europe, you know, the British touring cars. So for the experiences that the students have been able to gain have, have been absolutely invaluable. And, and I'm sure that when they come to, to look for employment, you know, that, that on their CV would, would, would look very, very strong. When you had those students working with you in the GT3 Cup Challenge, were you surprised by the level of their skills or as well as being impressed, perhaps? I, I was surprised, yeah, both surprised and and hugely impressed. Um, you know, I think I've I've never. Um, I think back to my days as a student uh, at school and those sort of classroom environments it can somewhat feel a little a little sterile, and um, and it's such a it feels such a world away from from the real life world. You know, the, the working world. And uh, and and these these students seem to seamlessly you know apply themselves on a race weekend. And they look just as comfortable there as they did in the classroom, you know, when, when they, when they, in a theoretical basis, you know, the practical element is really important. And they were able to apply that, you know, like I said, effortlessly, really, and seamlessly. Um, not only that, you know, the weekends of a race, a race weekend, apparently, there's a lot of jeopardy. There's a lot of pressure there with, you could be fighting for a championship. You could be fighting for a race win. There could be problems with the car. A gearbox might need a change or anything like that. So you've, you, and obviously we're always up against the time. So when you're given an hour to, to make certain changes on the car, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure there and, uh, and, and there's a lot of responsibility on every member of the team. And these students were kind of thrown into the deep end. And they just look like they coped and look like, look like they relished the challenge. And, and, and you know what, what can be quite daunting at the beginning, I'm sure they all look back at that as some invaluable experience. And, um, and yeah, for me as a driver, I felt absolutely reassured, you know, and, and very um, confident that, you know, I might have had 10, 20, 30% of the, of the team workforce, uh, albeit as students, but it never felt like that. It felt like it was a proper you know, uh, working race team uh, full of professionals. So, you know, I think that's testament to, to the students and, and, and to the, the vision of the NCME to offer their students, you know, a real practical, um, you know, working experience. Sure. You're a petrol head. Would a course like this have appealed to you going back a few years? A course like this would have absolutely appealed to me. This, <laughs> this one thing I always think to myself, whenever I go to that, to that building, whenever I step foot in, in the NCME, you know, I look around, it's, it's like a car showroom, you know, there's from the polished yeah. floor to the polished cars. And I just think 
I, I, you have to kind of remember this is a classroom, this is a, a learning environment, but it, it looks so real to the outside world. It looks like a real commercial entity. It looks like a real motorsport. It's, you know, I've been down to Pro Drive, uh, you know, probably one of the most famous uh, motorsport um, uh, manufacturers, developers, you know, there there is. And, and I don't think there's, if anything, I think the University of Bolton is better equipped than, than Pro Drive. So, you know, they really are gifted with, with a facility there. And uh, had I um, had this course been around uh, in its current form when I was, when I was um, just finishing school, then it was something very much that I would, I would, I would love to do. Uh, because I'm, to be around any, any, any involvement with, within motorsport, I think is, is really, really special. And kind of once the racing buggers bit, whether that's as a driver, as an engineer, as a mechanic, in any kind of uh, capacity, I think once it's bit, then, then that's it. You've kind of got the bug for life. And there's so many ways to, to really progress. I mean, you just look at Mark Bushfield now, who's the director of the NCME. You know, he's, he's fantastic. I think to have somebody like that who's heading the division up, He's not coming from from um, you know the educational sector, if you like. He's coming from a real outside you know influence of a, of a, the commercial, the real world. So to have him kind of heading up the university now for the NCME, having having worked with various uh, British touring car teams, world touring car teams uh, across rally circuit racing, he's vastly experienced in, in, in the motorsport world. And now he's coming, you know, to, to help the students and, and point the, the university yes. in the right direction. I think that's, you know, a, a real kudos and, and, and a real benefit for, for the students and everyone there. With your ambassadorial role for the NCME, how do you see the opportunities for graduates looking for a career in motorsport for their futures? I think there's a, there's there's huge amounts of uh, of opportunities for the for the students looking for careers in, within the motorsport sector. You know they've they're going to have first uh, first hand experience, firstly of of working alongside um, these these teams, um, and and then the connections. I think you know uh, that they're able to make with with the various race teams and that ability to. To go forward and uh, and get a job. Ultimately, at the end, when you graduate, that's the one thing you want to do. You want to be employable. You you know you want to look attractive to a future employer. And I think if you can show that you've had some form of work experience within that sector, um, and, you know, and utilising the great facilities that they've got, I think they'll be in a great position to to be able to capitalise on those and go forward with you know a real you know work at some real opportunities. Sure. Let's turn to you for a moment and your racing plans for 2020. Like everybody's on hold, but this is a season with a big step up, isn't it? From GT4 to GT3 within the uh, British GT Championship. It is a step up, yeah. It's a it's a it's a big step up from uh, from GT4 into GT3. But it was it was something that's very much been on our radar for quite a few years now, and. Um, I guess domestically in GT racing, it is the pinnacle, you know, the GT3 cars, they look the best, they sound the best. And certainly the Bentley is, uh, is probably the, the top of the tree in my, in my opinion, it, it, it roars past it's, you know, um, bring the thunder. I think the, the hashtag is, um, yes. so yes, I think on the back of, on the back of last year, we'd, we'd won the prom championship in GT4 after three years of competing, you know, two years in the Nissan and a year in the uh, in the Aston Martin. And it was a hugely successful campaign with myself and my teammate, Martin Plowman. And uh, I guess like most drivers, you know, you're always looking at the, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger cars in, in the classes and, and GT3 was, was very much that. So we made, made, um, made it our goal to kind of be there. So um, 
the win, obviously the win in the championship really helped us secure a spot with um, with a team for the year after. So we're racing with JRM and obviously in the Bentley GT3. So it's, it's a big step up. It's a big challenge. I think an extra 150, 200 brake horse, there's more aero, there's... There's so many more dials on the steering wheel now, you know. It was uh, yes, yeah. just just the ABS and traction control I had to contend with last year, whereas now we, we've got all sorts of settings, um, which which is great. Something that you know, as, as a driver, you always want to kind of advance your your um, your knowledge of of, of, of the engineering side because it does vastly help you and improve you as a driver and to have that awareness. And um, and yeah, you know, we want to be competitive in a pro am format. We want to go there and compete and uh, hopefully bring home and do the unthinkable you know we want to win we will we've we've obviously come on the back of the gt4 win and i don't think any partnership to my to my knowledge has ever won and gone on to win in consecutive years a gt4 and a gt3 uh, championship so that's something that we want to do absolutely right uh, each time you step up though there's obviously the commitment in there to do a good job and how hard is it to find the time for that commitment alongside all your acting commitments especially thinking back to the days when you were in Emmerdale which must have been a relentless schedule it was a relentless schedule when I was when I was in Emmerdale yeah and 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 I think if I'm honest there's always a slight compromise you know with um with my ability uh, with the racing in a sense of I can't probably test as much as as, as other people um I think Last year was the first year we've we've had a testing program. Um, I never tested once in British touring cars. The first time I ever drove the car was free practice one at Brands Hatch, the <laughs> opening round of the year. You know, the, 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 I've always been on the back foot as a driver, and that's purely down to my day job. And and you know, I would love to change that, but it was the day job and that kudos factor that that uh, you know that um, me being a, having a profile, being on TV, and that's where I could leverage that and attract sponsors and that's what facilitated the racing so even though it was a slight hindrance and me not being able to commit as much time to the racing as i'd want to what it did allow is for me to go race in the first place so it was it was a bittersweet sweetness really of of, of, of the predicament i was in and, and i've got to kind of embrace that and, and and capitalize where i can you know so last year in 2019 was the first year in all the years i've been racing we had a testing program and we had drum roll we had two tests you know we had two we had media day wow, which was down. We pushed the boat out, yeah. Uh, we had media day, which uh, we couldn't fully utilise because we, I think we lost the gearbox in the afternoon, so we only got the morning session. And obviously, I was sharing the car as well. And then we had uh, we had a day, I think Snetterton, uh, midway through the season, and it paid dividends, you know, to get a real understanding of the car, uh, to help really work with the engineers and try different things, you know, a race weekend. You've not really got much time, um, and and you kind of you can't be too adventurous, too. Um, you, you know, you've got to really kind of go with what you think is, is going to work uh, and you can't be, take too many risks. Whereas on a test day, you can go from one extreme to the other. And sometimes you find something that you wasn't expecting, you know, with a setup. So, um, and that's real, that's invaluable for, for, you know, during a season. So to be able to do that last year, we, we, we felt, you know, we was, it was really, really um, advantageous for us. Uh, and, and this year going forward, you know, we, we've managed to get five test days. We've not done them yet. Uh, but, but we've, we've got five tests within the, within, within, within our racing program this year. So every year we're getting more tests. And I think as a driver, it really does help. So I'm able to put a lot more time towards the racing now, which, which is great. Um, but yeah, you know, sometimes the inability to test is, um, is, is, is a slight disadvantage, but you know, it's just, um, it's just the way, the way things are sometimes. Those test days, of course, allow you to work 
with the engineers in a way maybe that race weekends don't because you've got a strict timetable and you know, you're, you're, you're chasing given things, good timing, qualifying, good race result. But those test days must give you a bit more freedom to explore things with the engineers. Absolutely. You know, the test days do absolutely that, you know, the ability to um, and the freedom to explore, um, you know, and ideas that the engineer might have. He or she might have various engineer, various ideas. And you think oh, that's a little bit left field. I wouldn't have normally gone down that route. And uh, there's the proposal. They make the tweaks on the car. And then suddenly you find yourself, mm. OK, I was quick. I was slower, but I'd really liked how the car handled and I liked the, the response I got. Or, you know, so, so many times, I think the I think it was last year, actually, the engineer, we were really struggling with um, with, uh, with with understeer. Um, and and um, and I think it was at Donington Park, if I remember rightly. And we noticed that the other Aston Martin, uh, they were running so much more rake than us, you know, and um, and they were just able to, their corner speeds, we just really couldn't keep up with them. And uh, we were trying all different things and the engineer suggested something that we tried and we just thought he was, we just thought he was bonkers. And uh, <laughs> because it just, we couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't make the connection of, of what he was suggesting and, 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 right. and how it would help, help what, what we wanted to do. And we made it and it was just unbelievable. We had to adapt our driving style a little, but the change was so dramatic and uh, we just couldn't believe it. And it didn't feel as fast. We felt like it was, it, it was a harder car to drive, but on the timesheets, we were, it was just incredible. And over race distance really? as well, the, the, the degradation on the tires was, was so much better. So, you know, that was something that we had to try, um, uh, you know, on, uh, on, on a test day. I don't think we'd have been able to try that on, um, on a race weekend, but you know, so it's, it's times like that on a test day where you can really have the freedom to explore and, and try something new and try something that, you know, listen to your engineer for once, because it's always the drivers telling the engineer, I want it to do this. I want the car to do this. The car's doing this. And sometimes when you listen to the engineer, they're coming from a different perspective. You know, they've, they've, they've obviously not driven the car. They've, they've not sat in the car, but from their engineering background, they're able to, um, to give the engineering jargon, jargon. and uh, sometimes it works. You just got as a driver listen and trust their 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 skill set, I guess. And uh, you know, you know, and and a lot of the time it does work. One other thing that GT racing enables you to do is make those steps forward as a driver because you're working with a co-driver. He drives the same car. You can look at the data and compare things and martin plowman your co-driver from gt4 this year again in gt3 very quick very experienced very successful by the look of it a good driver coach because that gap between his lap times and yours is getting narrower season by season yes i think that's um, that's paramount is to have an, a really good partnership um and my my teammate as you said is you know for me he's one of the quickest one of the most experienced drivers on the grid so to have him in my um in 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 in, in in my locker, if you like, his his expertise, <laughs> his experience in order to to, to use and utilise is 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 invaluable and, and so good. And it's helped me progress so much over the last uh, last two or three years, uh, and and I think collectively with with myself and Martin and our engineer, it enables us to really collaborate and work together as one. You know, when I'm given a description of how the car is 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 is, is feeling, how it's reacting. Uh, to my inputs and uh, and various uh, various uh, stages throughout throughout the race or throughout throughout the, the the circuit, you know, Martin is is able to listen to that and he's able to give his advice as well. And he's just 
uh, he'll have experienced the same sort of thing because he's been in the same car as me. So, and thankfully we have a lot of continuity where we, we, we like a similar sort of setup. You know, we, we like, we drive, our driving styles are very similar. So our um, desires for the car's setup are always quite similar. So it, it gives the the engineer less of a headache and he's, he's, he's having to less, you know, he's not having to compromise as much between two drivers. We, you know, we're able to have the, the same setup if you like. So, it's, it's something that I, I find hugely, hugely beneficial. And uh, with Martin's experience, when he's explaining things uh, to the engineer, uh, you know, again, that's something that I, that I sit on year after year. I've learned so much more. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just a, a real collaborative effort. And, and uh, you know, each component is key. You know, without my input, without Martin's input, and without the engineer's input, you know, you take one of those away. And um, yes. the race, the race simply just doesn't happen. It's you, you're not as successful, you know. And um, it makes you realise that it's a real team effort. And uh, and I think as well on a race weekend with with endurance racing, we get ten minutes for qualifying. You've, you've basically got two laps. You, your tyres at its optimum level for two laps. Uh, by the third lap, fourth lap, there's a drop off of at least two or three tenths there. So regardless of how you try and replicate that perfect lap, you, your tire won't allow for you to, to replicate that time. Um, so the engineers really, and yourself as a driver, has really got to hone in your your um, your setup, your desires for that for that qualifying session because they're going to be nine times out of ten a lot different. Uh, to the racing, you know, the race could be from one hour to three hours. So yes. we might not be going for quite as an aggressive setup, a lot more forgiving for the for the tyre wear, uh, for the driver. You know, you want to make sure the car's as easy to drive for that full hour as, as possible. So for an engineer, there's so much to do all weekend. And that's what I think is, is great for endurance racing. He's, he's got to take into account two drivers with two potentially different driving styles. Um, so there's a real team effort, I think, over a race weekend, and that's why when you do get the, the good results, you know they feel they feel so 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 good because you know of of how many people it's taken to be absolutely on their A game in order to get that. Finally, Kelvin, uh, I've got to touch on this, otherwise a certain segment of the audience will lynch me. Um, we've got to talk about Strictly Come Dancing, um, champion last year. Well done. How has life changed as a result of that? Uh, Life has changed in, 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 in some ways, I guess. Um, the one thing, <laughs> I've not danced since I uh, finished the show. <laughs> People always say, you're going to keep on dancing, and it's not. Um, it was just too much hard work. It was something that I loved doing, but um, I was very much glad to, to see the you know, um, 12, 13, sometimes 14-hour days of rehearsals. I, I was glad to kind of see the back of those. But um, no, it was an amazing experience, and... Uh, I think it was an opportunity where the general public got to see me as myself, you know, for, for many years, they saw me playing a character on, on obviously on, on TV in Emmerdale. And it was a real opportunity for them to see me and, and kind of get a glimpse of, of, of what I was about, I guess, and, and uh, my family life and my home life as well. And, um, and that was, that was quite, quite refreshing because it's always lovely to connect, to feel like you can connect with the audience. And uh, it's all right me nipping to the shop every day and, and, and bumping into people. But when you can connect with an audience, you know, it's such a big collective like that with, with the UK, you know, it's one of the biggest TV shows in the country. So that was a real, a real honor and real privilege. And the support I got from, from, from the people that support, you know, voted for me, um, just the fans of Strictly Come Dancing, have, honestly, was the most humbling experience. And um, yeah, something I, I was very, very, you know, grateful for. So, um, I think the, the the big thing with with Strictly is it's, it's such a huge show, the pro, your profile immensely changes and, and increases, and 
I was able to transfer that, I guess, and, and try and utilize that and capitalize on that with, with the racing. Obviously, racing predominantly is, is, is funded by, for me, sponsors and uh, various connections and, and, and affiliations with, with big corporates. So I was odd in order to, um, to step up to GT3. Obviously, budgets, budgets are increased and, uh, and I was hopefully, my mindset on the back of Streetly was, you know, see if we can utilize this and, and, and capitalize on it and, and facilitate GT3 racing. So we was able to do that. And um, so that's been, that's been one, one great thing to come on the back of Strictly. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully it'll continue. And, and I've now kind of going back into my everyday job as, as an actor. And I've got quite a few projects starting towards the end of the year. So I'm very excited about, about those, you know, sadly they were supposed to start in April, but obviously with the coronavirus, with everything has kind of taken a back step. So I'm very eager to get back out there as an actor. Um, and, and yeah, and, and kind of live up my, my dreams as an actor across all different platforms, whether it's TV, uh, film, uh, theater, you know, I, I've got a real appetite and a real enthusiasm, uh, to continue that. And the racing has just been been a nice addition, and uh, you know what started out as a bit of a hobby has become very much, in some ways, another career path now. And you know I've got some amazing support, uh, and it's again that has enabled me to be a part of some some amazing you know partnerships. And you know one being the the NCME, you know to have that affiliation with such a it's just such a strong partnership, and uh, their values and their ethos is very much you know something that I, that I pride myself on. Uh, and their students, I guess, are encouraged to, to you know, go think big, dream big, and and and, and go for it. And uh, and that's what I've been doing. Uh, so there's a lot a lot of synergy there. And uh, as far as facilities go, I've been to so many car garages and, and, and workshops over the years. <laughs> and honestly, the the place at university, but that NCME building is unbelievable. It, you every time you walk in, you think, I can't quite get over it. this. This is this is like a classroom. This is a you know, we're in the education sector here and this is just, you know, there's some commercial entities that would be absolutely blown over by that. So I think that's real testament to their, to where they want to go and, and where they, the way they see themselves going in, in, in you know, in the future. And, um, you know, they've, they're very much aiming high and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm great, great to be a part of that. Where do you want your racing to take you? For example, now you've gone into GT3 racing. Is Le Mans on the radar? Or are you setting yourself a, a limit of pure national racing, for example? Um, I, I, it changes, I think. I never really okay. set out. Every, year on year, I, I make decisions and, and look to where I want to go. Um, racing domestically within the UK is, is fantastic. I love the UK circuits. I love the UK fan base. Uh I love the ability to go on a racing weekend with my family and friends and, and camp out. And, you know, that's a big element of racing for me as well. That's just as important is that that ability to enjoy yourself and immerse yourself in the racing community with the marshals, with the spectators, camp out, you know, have a, you know, a coffee, a beer, whatever your preference is, a barbecue and just, just relax and, and, and talk cars. And, you know, and that's for me, that's really important. And that I'm a car nut, I'm a car fanatic anything with an engine, two wheels or four wheels. It's something that I've grown up with. Uh, so I want to fully immerse myself in, in that environment. Um, and that's important. But at the same time, I've, I've, we've obviously ventured out to Europe to spa with um, with one round every year over in Belgium with a British GT. And that is amazing, you know, to race at real iconic tracks like the circuits like that is fantastic. So very much on my radar, you know, first and foremost, GT3 campaign is, is, is where my, my, you know, my sights are firmly set and I want to, we want to 
we want to win that championship. It's as simple as that. It's a bit different to last year. You know, I think about 95% of the um, entries in GT3 are, are Pro-Am, whereas probably 80, 85% of the entries in GT4 last year was was Pro-Pro. So we were very much up against it. But as a, as a collective, as a partnership, me and Martin, not only did we win the Pro-Am championship, but I think we came fourth or fifth overall. And, you know, had it not been for a couple of mishaps in the pits on changes, we, you know, we were on set to get a couple of overall podiums and, and you know, one or two overall victories. So as, as a Pro-Am partnership, we feel that we, we're very strong. So, you know, if you kind of, you, you throw us in, in an environment which is majority pro-am, which is 90, 95% pro-am, then I think it's, 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 it's not too, you know, uh, re- realistic to, to expect and, you know, to be competitive and, and win the championship. You know, we want to win. And, and for yeah. people that don't, that say they don't want to win, then I don't know what they're doing there. So we, we very much, <laughs> that's where we set our sights. And then, you know, next year, whether that's a, a European campaign, I've always wanted to race at Bathurst. That's something on my list. Le Mans, I, I would love to go to Le Mans, uh, but the thought of doing 24 hours in a car—I mean, that is that is the, that is the true test of a, of a racing driver. So we, we'll we'll maybe build up to that slowly. Watch this space, Calvin Fletcher. Thank you very much. Motorbotics, the podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton. That's it for this episode of Motorbotics. Next time, we'll go and talk to more of the students because now that many of them have completed their major personal project, they've completed the major piece of work for their degree. And we'll have a word with a number of them about what they've been doing, what they've learnt from it, and what they're hoping to do in the future. For now, though, from David Addison, it's goodbye from the NCME. Motorbotics. The podcast of the National Centre for Motorsport Engineering at the University of Bolton.